What's up? It's Casey Coop, and welcome to the 21st episode of Casey's Freak Show podcast. It's almost as if I like the sound of my own voice or something. Today, we are going to dive deep into a realm of breaking free I've long been wanting to explore on the show, and that is of the religious variety. My friend and fellow comedian Matt Legrand is here to pry open some painful parts of our pasts. Besides being a recovering Christian missionary, Matt is gay. Like, repressed childhood, West Hollywood, motherfucking gay. <laughs> we got we got some shit to go you over. You said it, shit. girl. You said it. Oh my god! And I was like researching on all your social media, and then I just like realized I'd already seen all the posts. But I loved like just like diving deep into your brain, essentially. Yeah. I went through like all your Instagram and your Twitter and your Facebook. Yeah, hit me up, Evangelical Daddy on IG. Oh my god! <laughs> Literally, I'm like, he's a genius. There is never a better. That's an awesome handle. I think I wanted to kind of face my fear with that handle name. <laughs> like <laughs> it's this so is so good. The thing I'm most scared of, so yeah. I will become <laughs> an Evangelical Daddy. <laughs> So I guess we'll just fucking kick it off right there. You were raised in a Republican evangelical missionary community. Um, was it in Indonesia? Yeah. That's Indonesia. fucking crazy. Um, I was born there and I moved to the States when I was 17. Um, but yeah, I was a practicing evangelical missionary until I was 20 years old. Until like all those so years? Like, until Not very long ago. Yeah, which how old is are you wild. Now? I'm 24 now. So it's crazy because I'm like, I thought you were like older. I'm like, how are you only 24? You're a babe. I think I had to grow up quickly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had to grow up and get out real quick. Um, yeah, four years ago, I was leading a mission trip in Europe. Four years ago, what? So wait, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, rewind. Where? When was Indonesia happening? How old were you with that? Um, I was born there, born there, and lived there until I was 17. Oh, um, so it was like my entire life. Wait, you didn't live in the states at um, that time? No, I didn't at all. So at I've been, all, I've been in the states for seven years now. I didn't know it was that long. I, it's difficult for me to talk about. I think because of all the like cultural appropriation stuff that goes on. I don't want to. I'm like a white person, so I don't want to be like. This is the face of Indonesia. <laughs> you know what I <laughs> but mean? But you lived there that long. I know ago. I did, and I have to like own that part of my life experience. I think I'm still like. Uh, That's processing. not appropriation. That's your childhood. I know. I know. It is weird, but I mean, I experience a lot of like white privilege in that area, and especially in the missionary community, just like the amount of power that you have because we're coming really? from like U.S. American money. My parents are American, um, but they moved there in the 80s. So it was always weird. Like growing up, I always was treated very special. And Did you uh, live in a community that was other white missionaries? Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of white missionaries. A lot, <laughs> all of my teachers in school, it was an American-based school, and they were all from either Texas or Alaska. And Jeez. Uh, it was pretty wild to like have... Uh, your your teachers in like a th in a country in the global south be so like be so confident in their beliefs on <laughs> capitalism and like oh. preaching that to like all these kids and Whoa. we like there are only leaders that we like knew to look up to. Um, oh, so like they're taking Western notions and just like kind of feeding them to Southern. Yeah, country. yeah. Um, it was strange, and I've had to like combat a lot of those. 
like ideologies that like I just thought like everyone agree with like Sarah Palin was a great politician <laughs> Ronald Reagan was the best president in the United <laughs> States like things oh, I'm so like you're oh like wait relearning everything now <laughs> oh my god from... everything oh. and my my mother was actually my history teacher and she oh. um the last time we talked was a few uh, probably six months ago and um, mm -hmm. we uh, we go out to breakfast and it ended with me yelling at her in a cracker barrel about women's rights um, <laughs> which was like her son like standing up and being like I don't think you value women and I'm like yelling <laughs> at my mother and I'm like this is all wrong yeah no my <laughs> but my mom like herself was raised like to be so disempowered that she gets she gets scared kind of seeing me rise up she's like her whole thing was we don't talk about religion or politics like we just like in conversation like we laugh and smile and make other people happy and hmm. there's just no like fem the word feminist scares her so i i do relate yeah. in that way um so growing up you were in the closet and what was that like being in this very evangelical community of people like how did they talk about gay people um, God, there's so many layers to that because on top of like the subculture that I was in of evangel Republican evangelicals, like even more specific, um, Indonesia as a whole, it's the death penalty there to be gay. Oh my God. So, I mean, there's not, it wasn't, there was th this outside religious pressure, but then also like the country as a whole is like not accepting of that. Um, yeah, it was very, very, very interesting. Like, uh, I think homosexuality of course was like viewed as like a deviance from like sexual norms and if you are exploring gay things that it was so weird the mentality is kind of like it's like oh you must have gotten so bored with women that you're such a what? sexual freak that like oh, now you want to be gay and like with uh, mm -hmm. all the trans issues coming to the surface now like i've had conversations where people are like yeah First they're gay and then they're trans. And like, it's like, but unfortunately, I mean, we're in this awesome LA bubble in a sense. But the rest, a lot of the country, how they think is exactly what you said. And I even grew up in Oregon, which is a coastal state, but most of the state, including where I grew up, was homophobic and Republican and farmers, you know, right wing. Yeah. And my family is Republican. And I think when gay people were talked about in my family it would be in a sense like oh those perverts right like yeah like as if you are like it, it, it you got so bored with social <laughs> norms and like you explored every sexual possibility <laughs> in the heterosexual that realm that you're like i guess i'll try butt stuff yeah. like, <laughs> already tried cats and dogs now it's time <laughs> for other people right and then you meet gay people and you're like oh you're boring like the rest of us right. like a lot mm -hmm. of you just want to settle like there's you know there's a full range of people it is so it is so interesting though because a lot of those i i'm very quick to ask when i encounter like republicans or evangelicals to ask them if they're friends with these people that they're judgmental towards because as soon as you make gay friends and you're like oh you're cool as fuck that's what happened for me actually i was raised by my parents who well particularly my dad who's homophobic they're both they're all pretty republican right so it's just that mentality until like middle school of course making my first gay male friends and that's what happened the rest of my life was my a lot of my best friends were gay guys and that's just been a theme for me that is so that's who so i click with shocking casey <laughs> what a shocker no but and then gay i men are the best i yeah we just we just clicked always and 
then it was humanized for me. And I was like, wait a second. My yeah. parents, what they're talking about, it's not good. I know. Yeah, it's hard to hate people when you get to know them. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it's I, the same thing with all, like, the racial issues going on. When people have stuff to say about, like, the Black Lives Matter movement, I'm very quick to be like, do you have any black friends? Mm-hmm. And then their argument is, like, shut down. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the same thing for sex workers, I think, a lot. Because people are so free. Like, they'll go in on sex workers. like, it, And then you just, like, present yourself as yourself, you know, standing straight. Like, here I am. This is me. I have self-respect and I'm a stripper. Right. People, like, they, like they're... They sink back like they will shrink when you have your light shine like they're like, oh, well, because, you know, a lot of sex workers aren't outed. So we're all around you, but people just don't know that. So they feel free to run their mouth, you know? Yeah. I think that's changing and it's cool to watch it because how are you going to talk shit about people when they're right in front of your face? Most people don't have the balls. (laughs) Totally. I've gotten like (laughs) I get I mean, I think on the Christian scale, I'm pretty faggy, but like out in L.A., I tend to like appear as more straight, if you will. (laughs) But I've gotten I can say fag because I'm a fag. Um, But I've gotten like feedback back from other comedians or like just random people they'll be like whoa like you're not like the other gay people like (laughs) you seem like pretty like chill and I'm like yeah gay people are pretty chill (laughs) you know what's funny is like my best gay friends in LA have all kind of they're not into the West Hollywood scene of yeah. of gays. And so I just see the full spectrum of it. I know guys are like, I hate going out. I hate dressing up. Like, I hate being social. And then, of course, West Hollywood is all about, you know, those things, which is great. It's just like there are gay people that exist that aren't the stereotype totally. of what, like, some middle American thinks, you know? And it's fun to, I mean, it's good to have, like, uh, that full spectrum. Like I was saying, like, you know, if you want to be, like, a, a very stable like monogamous married couple fucking do that if you want to be raging in west hollywood do that mm-hmm. we have our first gay villain introduced recently kevin spacey oh. <laughs> i was gonna <laughs> ask you about that so please uh inform our listeners about well i'm sure everyone fucking knows but basically what happened was it was like this, there's this actor who's on actually a show right now who's doing well oh uh, uh, what's his name andrew rapp I, yeah, he I is so. on the new Star Trek show, I believe. And so it's been a big deal that he's speaking out against Kevin Spacey, who he said when he was 14, like, climbed on top of him, tried to seduce him, and it made him, it kind of scarred him for life, essentially, is what he said. Yeah. Um, and I think the most notable thing was after the allegation, Kevin Spacey came forward and said, I'm not really sure like what <laughs> went down. This was 30 years ago. I have a blurry memory. Mm. But I would like to come forward today and say that I choose to be be a gay man. I choose to live as a gay man. <laughs> I love, which is going to be the ultimate joke for the rest of the year. Right. Because then he like turned this thing where he was being a predator and a pedophile essentially to I'm actually just hurting inside and now I'm right. gay. Right. Associ- scapegoating his actions which like pedophilia has no correlation to homosexuality and so it was just really I feel like his PR exactly. team was scrambling because there's going to be a lot of other allegations that come forward. Apparently Rosie O'Donnell has a lot of dirt on him. Wow. <laughs> um, but it'll be interesting. I mean this isn't a shocker. Like I, anyone who's out here in the industry isn't no. shocked that another powerful white man is like getting accused of a bunch of sexual regardless mm-hmm. of whether you're gay or straight it doesn't matter mm-hmm. somehow that mm-hmm. kind of money and power goes to your head and he's yep. obviously one of the most influential 
Uh, you know, mm-hmm. most well-respected actors. I love Kevin Spacey and all of his movies. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's dangerous <clears throat> to conflate homosexuality with pedophilia and predatory Absolutely. Shit? I mean, and it was such a bummer because, dude, you can't be in the closet your entire career. And then as soon as you get caught uh. in a very complex scandal that involves a minor, then you're going to suddenly scapegoat the LGBT community and be like, yeah, well, mm-hmm. I'm gay. And this step goes on. It's like, you've never said a goddamn thing about being gay. Oh, like, don't make your first statement yes. about assault a 14 year old yeah because then it's like you know okay, and this, we, is what, this is what we were just talking about like the, what middle america thinks being gay is just being like a predator and a pedophile exactly i mean you know there's that whole stigma growing up it was always there were jokes about like oh why you can't have like a gay man watching your kids he's obviously going because of the mentality oh that like it is a sexual perversion so if you're into dudes you're also into kids and cats and like wow. what's gonna <laughs> that's crazy right talk. so it's it, i've i've saw posts about that online because i'm I'm still friends with a lot of people who are in the um, evangelical church on Facebook and just seeing like, well, this was no surprise. Of course, if he's doing this stuff, he's a gay guy. Oh, my God. But in reality, oh, my God. So he's just like, I mean, I don't want to know how many 14 year olds Donald Trump has been with. You know, no. Right. Yeah. He's just skirting the blame to a whole community. And then just like, oh, and then I think in some ways like it's worked to convince some people like oh he's he's the victim here he was in the closet all these years poor kevin spacey right it would have been really hard for him to come out you know (laughs) he wouldn't have had anyone support him i loved seeing the um i loved seeing the lgbt community in la's response um everyone was very very quick to realize that his um his statement was garbage And uh, to call him out on that and to if you're going to lean on the LGBT community, the LGBT community immediately was like, hey, we're actually a very supportive and loving community. You coming out has absolutely nothing to do with this. Good. And do not pinpoint it on us like that. Good, good, good. Yeah, I, I feel so lucky to be surrounded by like the people we're surrounded by because I and don't see much on my Facebook feed anymore that I flat out disagree we, with or think is hateful, which is awesome. And people call that an echo chamber. And I do see their point. But I guess like, the reason mine turned into an echo chamber was like when I started posting my thoughts and feelings and jokes and life experiences on Facebook, especially when I was really out there with my sleeping around and my addictions, people, particularly men were constantly commenting on my posts, either really, um, sexually harassing things or really condescending things. It was just like, I was, it's just like the way men always try to shut women up in real life. They were trying to do on my Facebook. So I blocked all of them. If there were men just constantly writing terrible things. So like, I, it's like, I feel like, Oh, I see what people talk about. The echo chamber is then my voice isn't getting out to the regular Joe Schmo. Well, the regular Joe Joe Schmo needs to know that he can't just go everywhere and comments on everything and, and shut every woman up just like he does in real life. So it's like, okay, cool. And now I have enough people still following me that my shit still gets out. My shit still gets retweeted to the Joe Schmo. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I, it is like this interesting debate in like social media networks where it's like, I feel a responsibility to the people who are like, uh, I almost feel like a reverse missionary where it's like they're in the dark <laughs> and they need to like enlighten them about like, you know, gay That's people so are regular people, like all, all, uh, people in America and on earth, all of our, you know, stories matter. It's not just, I almost said all lives matter. (laughs) (laughs) 
but <laughs> but it's I think the best way to do that is just by living your truth right and just being like so you and so the happiest you you can be that other people cannot find fault with it because it's just in themselves they just have to look within and be like oh these are things I need to deal with because that person seems happy and well you yeah. know yeah I recently my um father visited recently and we hadn't talked in a few months oh god um, and it was so cool to just have him come out. And I just decided before I was going to see him that, um, I was just going to really try to enjoy time with him as an individual, not as a Republican, mm-hmm. not as an evangelical, not as someone who voted for Trump, just as mm-hmm. a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had so much fun and we were friends and we were cracking up and just like laughing about old times in Indonesia and like planning a crazy trip to Komodo one time. Cause I didn't realize that would have been a cool thing to do. And uh, we had such a good time. And when you leave that space, it's like, I don't I don't know if he could walk away from that and think, man, my son is lost because totally. he has to like be able to feel the joy that I'm feeling in my life. And it's contagious. And we, yes. we, had, we had fun together and we enjoyed ah. that. And there is something beautiful about me. I mean, I disagree with like everything on paper that he stands for, but we were still able to have a beautiful connection and laugh together. Oh my God. I'm so glad you just brought that up because my parents um, visited a few weeks ago and I never have had good experiences hanging out with them. Like, (laughs) God damn, like I can't remember a single one before something broke out into an ugly argument or or just some nasty put downs or whatever. Sure. Um, And I did the same. I was, there was a three day thing where we were just jam packed full of activities and I decided to a be of service to them. That's what our friend suggested. Like that mean it means like what do they want to do? Ask them. Don't just keep asserting mm. your things that you want to do and talking about yourself. And the other thing was just try to accept them as they are. Don't tell them not to say that thing, not to wear that thing, or however I tried to control them in my youth. And I literally just focus on acceptance and service in regards to them. And I and we had the best time and it left me feeling like oh no I'm sad I moved away from them (laughs) but my boyfriend's like you can just visit them you know yeah I was like oh yeah I can actually like visit them now and look forward to it that's crazy that's it's so uh, (laughs) I feel so emotional now it's like really beautiful hearing you talk about that and even the like uh, addiction that you're using like you, these are all like principles of like the life of Jesus Christ <laughs> where you're like, I really want to focus on accept, accepting them as they are and loving them and serving them where it's almost like yeah. I had to leave. I am the, Jesus. I, no, but I had to leave. You're wearing a Jesus is Gucci shirt. <laughs> I forgot this was on. But to but be fair, I Jesus ha- is Gucci. He is. He's Gucci. Um, I, I love the, the life of Jesus. It's pretty dope, I think. But it, like I had to leave the Christian church in order to understand the, the principles principle. behind like who Jesus is. I think I'm more Christ-like yes. now that I'm not a Christian. Isn't that nuts? Same. It's well, crazy. And I focus on I focus on loving others as they mm-hmm. are. Love your neighbor as yourself. They're good tenants. They're incredible tenants. They're just warped and pervert, perverted in a way by the church for personal gain, um, power, money, control. That's what churches do. And not all churches. Not all churches. Hashtag not all churches. Exactly. It tend to do. Um, I wanted to ask yeah. you how your coming out went then because it's only been, what, four years or something? Yeah. Uh, it's been a process. Um, so I went to a really, uh, a very conservative college. It's like ranked the number one most homophobic campus in America. Like That's by the a Princeton thing? Review every year. Oh, wow. <laughs> but also number one cafeteria food. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nothing like suppressing your sexuality for some good local produce. Um, 
it was um i came out i remember my um sophomore year to my roommates but it was under the um like context that i understand that this is a sin that i was struggle with for the rest of my life so it was like i struggle with homosexuality but i'm going to marry a woman and this went on for about. Well, this, but that's your first toe in the door to coming it was, out. I know, and you even needed it to be that soon, way. Isn't that wild? As soon as I said those words, my whole life changed. There's something about verbalizing things and like putting the yeah. words out that like changes the way I even viewed myself. Um, and then it was, I think it was two more years of me being under this guise, but feeling really, feeling really lost and feeling very miserable and not feeling like I was being honest with myself, you know, like averting my eyes from like even acknowledging the beauty that I saw in men. I would just be like, anytime I, I, anytime I sense a beautiful man, like I just have to turn away. Like this is too much for me as opposed to, I I remember just like my, my junior year, just like I was working at a coffee shop and a, a beautiful guy walked in and I just stood there and I was like, I'm going to let myself just enjoy, (laughs) enjoy, enjoy that I have a feeling for this person. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of just like go directly into the shame and avert your eyes. And didn't completely deny myself that this is an honest, true feeling that I have that is not gross. It is where, you know, every, like everyone has so much beauty in them on earth. Like we need to acknowledge this shit. Um, I came, uh, I led a mission trip um, in Europe right before my senior year. Mm -hmm. And, um, right before I went on that trip, I was having an existential crisis and I, I, I was feeling, I was, I was very suicidal at that point in college. I had the same thing in college. And I think maybe that's, well, of course you were in the closet and hurting. I think part of it is like when we were put in college, we're at that weird young twenties age where they're like, okay, figure everything out. And you start to realize that everything in life isn't just black and white and stepping stones into the career. And I'm like, I had the same thing. Yeah. Just like complete existential crisis, my early twenties starting in college. And I was so severely depressed in college. I was suicidal as fuck. Yeah. College was dark, dude. Which even, I mean, even the, I we're so open about, I feel like we're, Fortunately, we're able to be very open uh, to a fault almost about like depression and suicide in the comedy scene. I have more, yeah, questions. But uh, yeah, I remember I was, I was like on my knees in my dorm room and I was literally just like, God, like I have to. There's a verse that says, like, I mean, I'm taking this so out of context, um, but like Paul says, like, sin all the more so that shall we sin all the more so that grace may abound. And I was like, if this is a God who like loves me unconditionally, like either I got to suck a dick or I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> For <laughs> and, real. And I, real, I went though. on that mission trip and I tore up Europe. <laughs> Dude, I was going to ask you, did you experiment in college ever with guys? There was uh, one. There was one guy who was openly out on campus who was like this, like big <laughs> muscle head, like whatever. And he was out on campus. What a brave soul! He was in the theater department, and like his voice was undeniable. And like, <laughs> <laughs> although he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, his voice was like, "How are you guys?" <laughs> um, which uh, he's he's a very nice guy. But um, I when I when I before I went on this mission trip, which is when like I started fully experimenting, I like hit him up and I was like, Hey, so I want to talk to you about this. <laughs> I'm sure stuff. he had so many DMS from other guys on campus too. Oh my, I'm sure. Yeah. Once I broke into the network, it was weird. Cause like <laughs> oh, I, I like explored network. Craigslist and there were like so many of like our like yep. security guards or whatever on there and being like, Hey, I've seen you around campus. <laughs> and Dude, I, like, <laughs> I know a guy who did the same thing who, is straight, but went on Craigslist ads and hooked up with dudes. I'm like, there's oh. like a whole world to be known about on there. 
Oh, God. It's nuts. I've heard some it, crazy <laughs> shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, Craigslist. <laughs> yes, I've had some pre-grinder days. Well, maybe grinder was hours. around. It you. was. I um, I was so weird in college. Not weird. I think it was pretty awesome. But I was like, I majored in media studies, and like as a statement, I like didn't have a smartphone. Like I just had a flip phone because I was like wanting to be very present at the time. Oh yeah, I was like that. I waited until like twenty two, twenty three three or 24 yeah. to get a smartphone but it's true like i'm way less present now it's i know fucking i difficult. fucked myself up and i i remember like feeling so empowered back then and being like i'm not on the I'm, i wasn't on facebook i didn't have instagram i didn't have snapchat and i like i remember enjoying a lot of things in a way that i don't now but true but it's hard I know. <laughs> so you experimented with the guy um, I mean, he went down on me for about four seconds before I came, <laughs> and uh, I was like, of like so apologetic and like this is so embarrassing. And he was like, I can't believe I can make you come so fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he, I, th- uh, and then we just kind of like went our separate ways, and we were both graduating soon. Wait, but- what happened in Europe? Um, so I was leading a mission trip there, and. Um, it was so wild. It was my first, we flew into Amsterdam and we're staying in the red light district and we're going to like talk. I know it's just the perfect setup. Like setting. And I'm leading like a team of 20 um, other college students. Um, and uh, I remember I saw a rainbow flag at a bar that night. And this was right after, like right before I left on this Euro trip, I was talking to God and I was like, listen, God, like things might go down and I'm going to be honest with you about it and we'll see what happens. And I just got to trust that I like, I have to make some bold decisions and you're going to have to figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. Like you'll figure out the forgiveness mm-hmm. part or what's right. But I saw a rainbow flag at a bar and it was actually the Eagle, which is so funny because they have the Eagle bar in LA as well. But, um, I, everyone went to bed. I made sure all the kids were asleep. <laughs> and then I, uh, just, I, we would go on prayer walks in the evening. And so I just like went out and I like decided I was like going to go on a prayer walk. And I'm going to go save these games. <laughs> but I stumbled into that bar and someone offered to buy me a drink, which you weren't supposed to drink or do drugs on the trip, obviously. Um, and I had a couple of drinks and started getting more comfortable and I was out until 5 a.m. And I definitely ended up at a cruising bar with a hot guy named Bob from Louisiana (laughs) and uh, we may have had like 14 guys like going down on us while we like made out in this like crazy labyrinth this was your introduction this to was, the i know it was community. like i went from ze- like which is so which is so interesting because a lot of people think that's how it is everywhere but i just no. went into like the most extreme circumstances it's fucking amsterdam that happens there right they're very sexually free but like when you're closeted especially that's like i think that's what you think that like it's like mm-hmm. zero to 100 like either i'm gonna be sex straight games. or i'm gonna be like having sex with 45 people at one time <laughs> But, like, you just don't know, like, how to dive into it. And yeah. uh, I think I really <laughs> dove into it. Then, so... And then the, the kids the next... I'm calling them kids. They're, like, one year younger than yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, But they're all like, Matt, you're out so late. And I was like, yeah, I was just doing a prayer walk around the city. <laughs> oh, my God. And it, I was in so much conflict all summer. Like, on my... Mm-hmm. I almost said... Well, on my knees, no pun intended. But, like, on my knees, like, praying to God, just being like... I don't know what's going on, if this is okay, but I'm figuring this shit out. Totally. I love that you kept your connection to your higher power, which we'll talk about more later. So then when did the actual coming out happen where you were like to your family or to your friends, like, this is me? 
Um, again, I think it's been just like a, it's been a process, but when I moved to LA, I decided I was going to like fully be myself here because when I was, I moved to LA right after college, but in college, like if you were, if you were out, like you could be like expelled kind of, or like we had to sign a waiver that said you wouldn't participate in any homosexual activity. What? It was That's very crazy. intense. That's so I, w- I would talk to people and be op- open to my friends about what was going on, but it I didn't feel comfortable to just be like totally out. But when I moved to L.A., so it, it almost felt like I was running away in a sense where I was like, I'm going to L.A. to be gay. Yeah. <laughs> that's that, okay, though. That's, that's, why, I, that's I how I, we all end up in the in the island of broken toys or whatever you oh, want to call it. That, that's how I've always felt broken. here. Like I find my people here that I never found in Oregon. Yeah, it's like the world's end. but I did that and I I decided to just be a new me when I got here and then it's been like a slow like return so when I visit my college friends some of the ones that I never came out to it's like already established Mm -hmm. and I'm comfortable enough in who I am and if people want to talk about it like let's do it it's the same thing of me being a stripper it's like okay I'm out online I'm not having conversations face to face with every motherfucker in my life if it comes up in conversation I'll own it, but I don't also have to explain it to everyone. Yeah, and it's weird want things, to... You need to explain things to them. Yeah, and we're in such a liberal bubble out here where, like, you being a stripper and not even that being a stripper or being gay is comparable at all, but they are to, like, more conservative people. But, like, yeah. being gay, like, doesn't even... I don't even think about it often anymore, but, like, in those more conservative contexts, it is, like, a bigger deal. Like, being a stripper has all these negative, like, associations they with They want to ask you all these questions, like, because you're living in this dark world they imagine and it's just not it's not true but it's cool for us to be in this more progressive circle where like it is like it is very normalized here and it's okay and like so we have um we have experience with just um like being around other people who are cool with that so when you go into a context it almost is weird for me once i'm like carry that with you yeah exactly you bring it with you and when someone is like Mm -hmm. thrown off by being gay i'm immediately able to ask them very I'm I'm not offended by them being offended by me being gay, but I'm able to ask them like grounded questions and like awesome. try to understand their perspective. Like, why is this the case? Probably you are a little closeted or <laughs> probably mm-hmm. like you've never had a gay friend before and you don't know mm-hmm. what to do with. It's not humanized to them yet. You don't know what to do with something that's foreign to you. For oh. sure. On that note, we're going to take a little break and we'll be back soon. Let's break. Okay, so we're back here at Meltdown Comics at 7522 Sunset Boulevard, which Matt was just commenting on how many comic books there are. So come check it out. It's a lot of books. It's just the, it's the, the haven for nerds. And we're here with my producer, Mason Booker. I want to give a little shout out to and Matt Legrand. What's up, Matt? Can you talk a little bit about how your spiritual life has evolved and changed since you left the church, moved to L.A., came out? became a heathen with the rest of us yeah i definitely had to go through a very like 
I, I had to completely remove myself. Like a fish doesn't know it's in water until you take it out of the tank. Have you heard that? Mm-mm, oh, no. Okay. My media, one of my media professors used to always say that. Like a fish doesn't know it's in water until you take it out of it. But I had to kind of pull myself out of the Christian church completely and sort of see what life was like outside of that to make an informed decision on my own. Um, and that was honestly, I would say, a pretty dark time for me. And I was experimenting a lot um, in all sorts of ways sexually because it was like my first time like being out, being independent, deciding I'm going to live my life how I feel like I should, regardless of like any other like social standards. Um, so and I think it's probably not uncommon for a lot of gay people to do that. Um, yeah. just like really, really dive fully mm-hmm. in. But That's what I, I did with sex. I went really crazy with it till I finally pulled back and was like, okay, I had my fill. I saw, you know, I got into some dangerous situations. Yeah. I burnt out on some shit, God. but you have to, you have to like, at least I have to learn a lesson by hitting a wall every time. Yeah. But then um, I learn. I definitely, I'm an experiential learner for sure. Like someone could tell me a hundred, like someone could have told me the trajectory of my path. Like, and it's almost like I already knew it formulaically. I'm like, I'm gonna like do a lot of freaky shit for the next like six months to a well, year. Because it was so repressed and maybe it probably wouldn't have been so freaky if it wasn't so heavily repre- repressed. Yeah. Well, life. and it's weird coming back full circle and like. Um, being able to experience sex in a very healthy and happy way now and not feel guilty towards it and understand like more about like fetish culture and like even if someone uh, like participates in some like type of like someone is like sexual in a way that I'm not that doesn't mean that they're a bad person or different uh, like <laughs> some of like the quote unquote like freakiest like sexual people I know are like like business owners who are like have like a husband and like mm-hmm. adopted children and they like really like love everyone in their community and they also happen to be like the king of this like spanking squad or something. you know what I mean where like you would think like someone like that was like this evil guy but he's actually like really loving and like after he like spanks people he's like th- he's like thanks so much for coming over You're so sweet. do you know what I mean like these people aren't like villains they just know how to uh they have a different understanding of sexuality and know how to express that and so your spirituality at this point you like said (laughs) coming full circle yeah so um it's been very cool I think as of um growing up in the evangelical church it was understood since I was a child that the most important uh thing in our lives is to have a relationship with God um and I joke and I say like now that I'm that freak people out that I like had a relationship with God but now I just tell people I have a relationship with energy and yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's like in LA, that's the word people well, everyone's drop all obsessed, the time. I mean, everyone's obsessed with like zodiac signs and like it's yeah. almost like its own religion in itself and with crystals. Crystals and shit. I um, know because it's like every, I think everyone yearns for some connection bigger than themselves. And in LA, people, you know, a lot of us have come from small towns where we're like, fuck religion, but we still yearn for connection yeah. and to be to be loved unconditionally, which I think a sense of universe, energy, spirit, whatever source, whatever word, God, it's the same shit. It's yeah. just a different name. I would say, like, uh, one thing that is notable, like, 
Um, so in the life of Jesus, as like I'm studying him now as like a third, like a removed third party, like trying to understand what the fashion fascination is with this dude. Um, he, <laughs> one thing that was radical about him was that, um, which I, which separates me from some of my friends, but what was radical about Jesus was that he said, um, yes, like love your neighbors as yourself, but also love your enemies when you are attacked, turn the other cheek. And that was, was what was radical and probably what got him killed because we're mm-hmm. so into competition and tribalism, like Democrat yes. versus Republican and this versus that. And yes. um, his message was like, regardless of whether you are treated well, like always treat others with love. Yeah, that's so that, radical. That, I never it, hear that shit anymore. Right. It's I mean, always dog eat dog, especially in the entertainment industry. Well, and also in the Christian church, too. I don't really hear that. <laughs> like, you wow. know what I mean? Because if gay people are your enemies, like, what the fuck are you doing in your community to love the shit out of gay people? Because yeah, you, like, whoa. you best bet Jesus would have been out there volunteering at the LGBT center, making sure people were cared for, regardless of what he thought their political views were. You know? Do you pray these days? I, <laughs> so I, um, I've been trying to find ways to like combat anxiety. LA is such a stressful city, oh my God, and we're same. like, there's a million things, whatever. Every like all these things. I feel are like I always have to be doing something, or I haven't earned my place on this earth, at least in this city. Yeah, like always be busy. So, go go which go go is go. So dumb. Like it's because so dumb. like we're not gonna get to a place to be like, okay, I made it. It's yeah. like. <laughs> So the like, people I know who have had big breaks are always like dissatisfied and uh, depressed. Yeah, we know we have friends who have all the things, quote unquote, yeah. that we want. And it's like, oh, you're still sad at a bar. And like lonely. <laughs> like, and then we talk about like, how human. the people who are white guys in power start being like abusing women. And I, I just think like what happens is like a lot of these people have that big hole in their heart and they try to fill it with fame and success and money and they get the fame, success and money and they're still hurting and they want to take it out on somebody, you know, they want to control somebody else. They want the power trip. What's the next step if you've gotten all the things that you thought you wanted then it's like, Mm -hmm. fuck, I guess I'll try to enjoy this by hurting other people. Yeah, because they're not fucking happy and and it can't fill you. And it's it's scary, it's vulnerable and it's very humbling to love another person uh, without like getting something in return. Oh my God, wow, you just like made my heart stop (laughs) <laughs> wow, I like weirdly enough that's like what I needed to hear today. I don't even know like where I'm at in my head, but wow, that's really what I need oh, to I hear. Oh, I love that. Um the I so I I started praying again like two months ago um because a friend was telling me how they meditate every day and that's really like set them on like it really helps them start their day off and i would do that and i would sit and i would be so fucking bored mm-hmm. and i want to know how to just you know you're supposed to let the thoughts come and go and it's I, hard. I, I want to i it's need to train hard. myself how to do that better but um, what I remembered was, which is so cool going back to my Christian upbringing and being like, oh, I learned a lot of really cool skills and like great ways to like practice spirituality, um, that I can tune into like prayer, uh, just talking to whatever you want to call it energy god jesus i really don't think it fucking matters uh but like putting out this earnest energy and being honest with your human experience and to like put it for some reason verbalizing something change like words are magic you know and putting Uh, those out there that's why they call it spelling um and putting uh uh, putting those uh oh my god i'm like wait that took me a second like (laughs) i was like okay (laughs) Um, someone in Portland told me that, of That's course. Hilarious, <laughs> fuck. Um, but yeah, like 
so there's something f- that connects with me when I say something out loud that it becomes true. And so when I've been praying, I've been like practicing a lot of like gratitude and gra- practicing. Gra- why did I say because I'm a server? Gratuity or yeah, <laughs> gratitude. No, gratitude yeah. And just being like, you know, I don't I don't want to fucking wake up and be like, oh, I'm thankful for my lemon tree. I'm thankful that I have good <laughs> friends, whatever. But there's something that changes in your mind and in your heart when you verbalize that and say, these are things that I'm thankful for. And then I like thank God for like gifts that he's given me and that like mm-hmm. I live in a I live in a beautiful little townhouse and like yeah, I, I write out 10 things every day that I'm thankful for and I try uh, to get specific and I'm sure that's changed your life it's, it's changed the way I look at situations like when I got rear-ended into another vehicle a couple weeks ago um I like I was just thankful she had insurance I was thankful I got two brand new bumpers and I barely got any effect other than a little whiplash not really much but yeah. my front bumper was already hugely uh, dented from someone hit and running me I think when I was parked somewhere probably so it was like oh I got brand new bumpers and they clean the whole thing it's all free and it's like when I go into situations that I used to like dread or throw a bitch fit over now it's like I see the good in them I twist it to be positive and that's just from training my mind and building building neural pathways in my mind that connect a situation to what's the silver lining and that's just from practice yeah. and writing and, it out and I love that you're kind of talking about like programming your brain and it's literally that's exactly what you're doing I've, I've had so many years of telling myself you know from the basis of Christianity where you wake up every day and say like men are evil every even mm-hmm. our best efforts are filthy rags and to tell mm-hmm. that to say that to yourself every day from the time you're born until you're 20 is part like you're programming your brain to not trust yourself and to feel that you are an evil person so waking up praying and really changing that and saying like these are things that I'm thankful for these are things that I'm good at these are things that I'm so blessed to have or whatever yeah and you're programming your brain to now when I think about myself not say oh I'm evil but say oh like I'm blessed or I mean it sounds so cheesy but it It is really I feel like that's what we talk about (laughs) podcast it ends up being these very like deep like philosophical conversations and when I started meditating a lot of what I do is reprogram the things my mom told me which were really negative things about myself and so I believe them like you said about what you learned from the bible and it, it being twisted into this thing yeah like I just believed that I was inherently bad and I didn't know why but it was the truth for some reason that had been said to me enough times like for 18 years and that's what I do now I'm like I meditate on the fact I, I, a lot of times these days I like to tell myself like things like I'm a superstar, I'm a bright light, I am talented enough, skilled enough, pretty enough. And I also say I'm no better or worse than anyone else because it's when you're also like using that to inflate the ego, that's equally as dangerous. So I like to be like, I am a superstar in my own right. I am no better or worse than anyone else. So all these things I tell myself eventually have become truths in my mind and I have to keep repeating them. But it does. It's like powerful shit. Okay. That was fucking crazy. There's just so much more to ask you. I'm sorry. Let me just. Um, yeah, yeah. Go for it. I have like like so many ways to go with this conversation. So yeah. Um, well, actually, first, can I ask you what being free means to you? As that's the question I always ask on this podcast. I think something that I um, love about the comedy scene um, is that I'm constantly training myself to be transparent 
and to be honest about my life experience. Like even when it's really ugly or when it's painful, totally. I'm training myself to expose that. And there's nothing that can, it's almost like it, it almost comes back to the Bible where like, there's a verse that says like the devil works in the darkness and in order for like God to work, you have to bring it into the light. And mm-hmm. I do believe that in whatever twisted way <laughs> I've made it out to be, totally. but like, um, I, I love that. And I think there's something very, like no secrets. And that's a cool thing about stand up is you can air out your shit. Yeah. And just put it out there because we're all like, we're all very, very, very damaged humans. And I think the thing that unites us and that drew me to comedy was hearing other people put their life out on blast and saying, Hey, this is me. Mm. Like, these are things that I've done and I'm like growing and learning, but I'm, I'm, this is out there. And like, if you, if you want to take this, take it, like, leave it, leave it. But this is me. This is a human experience and this is real. There's no one I've felt closer and connected to than the like four years I spent doing open mics to the comics I'd just see around and maybe we'd only spoken a couple words to, to each other within those few years but we knew each other in and out because of our sets right you never yeah. feel more close than to other comics at open mics that you've seen for years oh you my God. know every detail of each other's sex life and insecurities and career shit like it's nuts like how close we feel to each other yeah um, you know, you'll hear someone like go up and talk about like their former meth addiction and like yeah. all these crazy scenarios they were in and you're, but then they're, they're a human now and they're, I mean, mm-hmm. they were then too. <laughs> but no, they're, hu- they're humanized. <laughs> like you don't hear the humanizing of addicts so often in just yeah. regular life. Yeah. And you know, whether your addiction is substance or something else, like we're all finding ways to like, mm-hmm. I, uh, finding ways to like heal our pain. Uh, in response to your question, like what does it mean to be free? What does freedom mean to me? I think for me personally, I always struggle with this, um, but I would say it is transparency. And there's a feeling in me that says if I'm not being fully honest all the time that I'm lying to others and I'm I'm trying to like understand that in a more healthy way, but I definitely feel a push to be like, it is my calling on earth to be a transparent vessel, to be that voice that I didn't get to hear when I was younger, to hear someone be honest about their mistakes. Yeah. To, to just be in your truth. Um, so talking about stand up a bit, it is, it's such a boys club, but I wouldn't say it's a queer boys club. <laughs> like, how is well, we that? we are taking over, so watch the fuck out. <laughs> right. God, thank God. How, what's it like being, you know, a kind of feminine gay dude in comedy? What's that like? I, I'm, I'm still scarred from this and I'm like reeling from it. But when I first entered the scene, I started hanging out with a lot of these straight bros and I would I would talk about my experience and I remember one of them it stuck with me and it still hurts me to this day but he was like dude stop talking about being gay like <laughs> being gay is so hack like if you're just gonna talk about that hack and they, I, they also oh my god go, sorry I mean going, that's so going. problematic but that voice has like stuck in my head and when I tell when I write jokes about being gay I'll often think like oh I'm such mm, a hack but that's not true that's not fucking true I believe that that must have been coming from like a, their own place of insecurity or a feeling of upset that they weren't allowed to talk about being gay because they weren't gay you know what i mean i think what it is it's like hey how come you get to talk about that and i don't get to talk about you know what male comics always call hack they call period jokes hack they call anything a girl talks about hack and i think that is a very covert way to silence other voices um including gay voices it's like they call period jokes hack i never hear girls tell period jokes because we go into this field where we're told our specific female experience 
has been done and is tacky and is corny and but that's not true we haven't heard anything about the female experience and probably as little about right. the gay experience as much as i think when i hear that and it, i'm suddenly insecure because for some reason straight dudes have a lot of power over me because that's how i've been raised those are the people that i'm supposed to respect respect but, and i think there's that people pleasing in all of us that aren't straight white males to appease to them because I see even myself and other of the most like radically liberal feminist whatever like still when put in a room with straight males like there's a weird people pleasing we do because it's been fucking ingrained in us all our lives yeah um and it's so important that we do talk about those things until they are normal because that is my normal experience my normal everyday life is that <laughs> i am a gay dude and i don't hear that talked about enough i no, mean maybe maybe i do in los angeles but like not and that's another funny thing about doing L, um, comedy in la is that it is a very progressive city and so like you'll hear a lot of very like liberal opinions but this is a weird bubble and it's not like this in the rest of the world no. or the rest of america so it's important that like we still solidify our voices here and like almost so that we can like go out into the Carry mission field out. of America no, and dude, like go on dude, tour and you're so right on in that regard like the strength I gather from LA when I go visit Oregon sometimes as soon as I step up off the plane and people are looking at me and paying me more attention maybe it's my tattoos or whatever I mean I know they're tattooed in maybe Oregon it's cause you hot as hell I just like <laughs> I stand out there and like but it's a certain level of like I almost shrink I almost feel a little more the eyes are on me because in LA everyone's pretty and whatever but it makes you shrink down a little when you're outside the bubble like I forget how I shrink a little when I leave my bubble but LA charges me back up um something I did want to point out that I notice with gay men in comedy is that the ones who end up with a lot of success in stand-up and I will say this true for women in stand-up as well that they've they start to latch on to the very um like alpha thing like like in stand-up even the gay men and the women like everyone latches onto this like i gotta be a kind of mean alpha on stage interesting there's like a pressure to do that yeah and also i mean i have been like praised often by other comedians when i'm being like more like like more straight acting or it's like Mm -hmm. oh that's so cool that you're gay but you act like one of us and I get encouraged by that I'm like no dude like I want to own my faggotry to its fullest extent I want to shine like I don't I don't I don't want to hide anymore under this facade yeah but in a boys club like I watch some of the we know a girl I I won't say the name but we know a girl who's, who's doing really well right now in her comedy career but when she went and did open mics for a while people would shit on her for being more feminine or goofy on stage because like we're supposed to be tough and dry on stage and straightforward and mean and yeah like she does her thing and now she's all signed and shit but people used to talk smack about her right because she was doing silly characters and she was making fun of straight mm-hmm. white too i remember she had a joke <laughs> where she was like this is my impression of a straight guy <laughs> she was like just like uh, it was she was great it's just funny that's so funny um, up. So- i would say though as far as gay guys in the la comedy scene uh there's some i feel like i, I mean i'm I've only been in it for a few years, but um, I make very strong efforts to when I see another gay comedian to approach them and to be like, hey, like, I want you to know 
that I'm on your team and I'm rooting for you because when I came in, I didn't necessarily feel that. Um, and I think there is a sense where like you often feel, I'm sure you even feel this yep. as a girl where it's like, yep. there can only be one of us. Yep. Like, God forbid there's two gay comics. And then, then if the other girl in the room does give me a sideways look, then I'm like, fuck this bitch. I'm right. not going to be her friend, but she's just as scared as me. Exactly. She probably thinks I'm the one giving her the sideways look, yeah. but it's because we're pit against each other like that. And so it's so important and I've been really intentional about that and it's been, oh my God, since I've sort of like humbled myself in that regard, it's been so fun and I feel very, very Oh, I need to get to that level. I'm getting the... more like that, but it takes such humbling, but you, it's so like It's so worth it. There's rewarding. some fucking great gay comedians and I feel a camaraderie with them and, uh, you know, we'll hit up open mics together and when I see them, it's like they're my family, you know, and I want to be there to encourage them and we have, there's such a, I mean, there's not that many gay male comedians in LA, but there's a range where it's like you have people who are just at open mics and then you have people who like have their own shows now and it's like when you see each other like fucking encourage each other and like lift each other up like we need it we need it i love this and it, it's just it's also just more fun like don't you want to have the biggest don't you want to have the best party like the yeah. only way to have the best party is if you're like being fun to everyone oh my god i love you dude it's so real um you do talk a lot about how you work in a drag venue like place in West Hollywood with like drag queens and all this shit and I know I've seen pictures of you like shirtless at work like how has that changed your perception of your own sexuality or your sphere of consciousness dude uh, I didn't know anything about drag before I worked at um, Hamburger Mary's um, and God, it is such a like different community and I feel so blessed to even like get a sneak peek into that and like to work with a lot of these girls where you would think they're just like these like insane over the top people who like don't know how to live their lives or something like that. And then you like go into the back and we're all like eating chicken tenders together and just like talking about how like we have a busy week going on. This sounds like, like a strip club, Matt. A, <laughs> it like a fucking strip club. For sure. And it's so fun too because you'll like be talking about like what you did this weekend while you're like putting on your like like fake breasts and like, <laughs> this, just sounds, like, this is the strip club it's the game yeah, right it's the um, same there's just like pizza everywhere and pussies and but. I one thing I mean one thing I'm so obsessed about with drag is just like the whole idea of um, what it how silly our uh, society's perception of what it means to be a woman is because right. nothing that these um, when these uh, guys are a lot of we, there's quite a few trans girls who work at Mary's as well like they're putting on this guise of like what we think a woman is and like how uh, constructed being where it's a like woman is. where it's like this standard is impossible and insane like in no way is it natural for you to put on like to fill in it's not a natural thing to fill in eyebrows or to put on to <laughs> paint your eyes and to like and we do it every day and, and guys don't even realize how and to much fix we your do. hair it is yeah. insane i mean i've mm-hmm. done drag twice and the first time i put on a dress my first thought was like oh my god my arms are so fat that was because i was like being a woman <laughs> And I'm like, wait, what am I saying? Like, this is so <laughs> fucked up. Like, I'm like, a, I'm a cute Girls guy. Girls wear, we, like, so many of us wear drag every day. Even the natural yeah. look. You guys have no idea how much earlier we have to get up. I, I look so, like, schleppy, but, like, it takes so much work for me to look this good. Like, every single fucking day. <laughs> but we, I mean, there is, it's, uh and it's so fun to also just like see boys now experimenting with makeup too and having that be like a more mainstream thing because if you want to fucking paint your face if you want to make your eyes look beautiful and popping in like a certain way like if you want to make your lips pout out do it like who cares whether you have a penis or a vagina like Mm -hmm. your face is your face you know we're all like 
we're all in these weird avatars that we didn't choose to be in. I know. I think about that a lot, actually. Sometimes I, I think it's all a sim from the future because I read an article about that. And I'm like, Maybe it's I'm all a lot. Oh, a we're, si- like we're all like a simulated reality from the future. I don't know. I read that once and I was like, yeah, it's probably true. That's funny. I'm someone's game. So we'll we only have a couple minutes left. And I want to just touch off on I know we, you and I have talked about how you had your first, I guess, you first fell in love with a gay man last year and he moved away. Like, how is how was that? How is that affecting your life today? Are you dating? Um, oh, man, this is a can of water. I know this is like way big for <laughs> like good. three minutes. Um, Wait, so I'll just ask, are you dating today? How um, is that going? So, I mean, I, I love like discussing this right now because it all is like very fresh to me. Um, but understanding relationships outside of like a like historical like norm of being like with one partner that like notion has been challenged for me I don't know if I believe in the same like concept of like one person that we love for the rest of our lives and I've seen examples of like very healthy like open relationships in the LGBT community and looking at like partnership as like having having multiple people in your life that you can depend on or care for for different situations and different circumstances I don't have like a solid answer though like I think I'm I'm always geared more towards monogamy and I don't know if that's more nature and nurture if you know what I'm saying where it's like like I I almost feel bad I almost feel bad sometimes we're like oh I want a boyfriend I just want to have sex with one person and I'm like do I just think that because I was raised that way or is this what I really (laughs) it's hard to tell what I really want so I'm I'm uh (laughs) the dude I saw he's like 10 years older than me um and I I love him he's so wonderful but I think he definitely saw that in me where he was like hey like you're you're younger and you need to you know have time to figure out what you really want. And yep. uh, that was my whole like middle and early twenties was <clears> just <throat> figuring out and and playing. You have to play or else then you get into the monogamous monogamous relationship if that's in your future and you think the grass is greener when like I had to get all that out of my system where I'm like actually like yeah. I don't I just want one right now. You well, know? and seeing um you know I, I I see a lot of older gay guys who are quite lonely, um, but also I see a lot of older straight guys who are quite lonely, and you know we all have to like make our own decisions, and like at the end of the day, like if you are looking for uh if you're looking for satisfaction and like just like sex alone I I don't think you're going to be very fulfilled because we're like we're often we're more fulfilled by like intimacy so Mm. how that plays out really depends on like what circles you're running in um but it's going to look different for every person gay or straight and I'm like figuring that out like oh this isn't really just a gay problem this is just like a human problem a human problem what does what does intimacy look like in an age where we have you know an app where I can pick up a grid of 60 torsos right now and decide (laughs) which one I want to come on (laughs) oh it's so real so real so this was an awesome fucking talk people (laughs) find you on Instagram Twitter yeah I'm on Instagram as evangelical Daddy, or just Twitter as Matt Legrand. Um, and um, do you have any like shows you're hosting? Or I host a really, I host a great show at LAG Vintage in Silver Lake. It's um, this uh, vintage store that two homos own. They're good friends of mine. And uh, yeah, it's the third Friday of every month. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. Thank you. You're so rad. And yeah, thanks to my producer, Mason Booker. Thank you, Mason. This was another freak show with Casey Coop.